Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, Jocelyn. Happy to be back. And all, uh, you know what? I made a mistake of saying there was no way there'd be news this week because we had so much <laughs> last week. And yeah, then, yeah. Things, things kind of exploded. We have all kinds of crazy news to talk about. We've got game prices, we've got stock issues, we've got people buying other people that's just insanity. So yeah, we have a lot, a lot to talk about this week. So we should jump right in. And Ryan, let's start with Avengers, because I feel like this is a thread that we've kind of been pulling for the last few weeks. So give me some like final thoughts on on, on your advent your Avengers experience. Yeah. Let's uh let's sweater song this bad boy. Um okay, so Avengers. I have finished the main camp, quote unquote, main campaign. So there is a, um, as soon as you start the game, they have two options they give you. It is the reassemble campaign, which is sort of the introduction and giving you the bulk of the story. And then there's the Avengers initiative, which happens, is supposed to happen post story in which you are doing the more uh, Destiny style uh, post game stuff where you're kind of grinding for gear, increasing your power level, increasing your, your hero level, that sort of thing. Um, so when I finished the main campaign, I got to say the story is well worth playing from a Marvel standpoint. If you're a fan of Marvel content and you want to experience a story that is different from anything you've experienced in the movies to a certain extent, um, you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. Cause I mean, you get MODOK, you get, um, more Terrigen gas, uh, the Inhumans, that sort of thing. And that hasn't really been explored in the MCU, it's been explored a little bit in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but um, if you had the strength to get through seven seasons of that... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I that, uh, I don't know. I think I watched like one or two episodes and was like, not for me. <laughs> it's, you know, as someone who wanted to, at one point, digest everything Marvel, um, I was on board for the first three seasons. And I hear it's it, like, it came and went in terms of its quality but i i had to check out because it's one of those things where uh when marvel even started to acknowledge that hey we have our mcu we have the netflix stuff we have the abc stuff we have you know our web shorts but nothing like they only included the quality content in in the mcu stuff like once it started to go downhill they really just disconnected it like the netflix stuff was connected for a season each and then they kind of said ah you know Maybe it's its own thing. You know, it's not quite connected. And they did that with the ABC show as well. So, uh, I mean, but with this video game, I feel like the story they told was really well put together. Like, it's a great Marvel hero story. And the conclu- when, when you conclude the story, you feel like, okay, this is a really good setup for what would be a repeatable Destiny experience. Where you're going mm-hmm. in, you're grinding for hero level, you're grinding for power level, and you're having fun because the core fun here is in the combat like each hero feels very different and the more you play a hero and the more you unlock skills because the campaign will probably bring most of your heroes to level 10 that's just a scratching of the surface in terms of what those those heroes can do so the more you play a hero the more skills you unlock and the more you really truly understand the depth of each character and so is it better yeah. to or do you have the option to play the same character the whole way through? Like, is it better to like get one character to 30 instead of three to 10? 
it it forces you to switch between characters oh, okay. um from time to time mind so it's you more of like a it's like an almost sounds like an introduction to what then will be like the grindable end game yeah they do introduce you to the heroes at the very beginning in like a snippet style intro and then the heroes disperse uh due to the a-day situation you know a right giant, event happens and and the avengers have to disband and the game is all about the main story is all about bringing these avengers back and as you bring them back like overwatch like overwatch uh (laughs) except we won't have to wait an ungodly amount of time for for uh for them actually to get story (laughs) yeah i mean what what's the story with overwatch 2 it's basically like i don't even know no one knows yeah last 16 years however long it's been since the first overwatch game came out and that small little uh little winston who was super cute looked at the moon and ate peanut butter um which was solid story content uh and then you get to overwatch 2 which is like hey we're back like overwatch is back i mean i think i don't think that and i mean this is a total tangent that is not avengers related so apologies guys i did not mean to derail this conversation like this but uh overwatch 2 was announced last year at blizzcon and they haven't really said too much about it since as far as i know i'm not a huge overwatch person but uh yeah i get the impression from interviews and articles that were written around BlizzCon last year that they weren't necessarily planning on Overwatch 2, and then it got leaked. So then they kind of just went, well, I guess we're talking about this. This is what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, I, I so think... I, I don't think that they're necessarily, like, ready, ready. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, all that throwing under the bus aside, like, I would say about Overwatch 2, they added Toronto, they added a Canadian hero, so they're back on our good side. I, I really, Yeah, absolutely. Civ 6 did it, <laughs> and you you just rocketed back up to the TGI Top 10 list, and I think Overwatch 2 is, uh, is poised to do that. I mean, they literally put a statue of a hockey player in their map, so... I think all they're we, doing it right. <laughs> yeah. And they even allude to the Toronto Maple Leafs, which for some reason still exists in the future. So good on them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, no mention of the Habs or Montreal. I mean, Montreal might not even be on the map anymore. So, um, you know, maybe the, maybe the Omnics, the Omnics, right? That's the, that's yeah. the bad guys. The, the, they might, uh, I wonder if they're, if they're going to release, uh, cause they just announced, and this, this actually is news this week, uh, oh, that a, yeah. a virtual BlizzCon is happening in February. So mm. maybe, uh, because I think some rumors were that Overwatch 2 might launch in like late, late, like December 2020. Other people were saying, no, it won't be around till 2021. So to me, that sounds a whole lot like a potential release date for, uh, maybe even alongside, Diablo 4 uh probably lining up with the with the February BlizzCon. Yeah. Oh man. If if they're ready. Yeah. That would be really cool. Stealth uh, Overwatch 2 launch. But um then I mean Overwatch 2 is supposed to kind of bring in a more single player Destiny style approach to uh, Yes. Yeah. But uh, Avengers um once you beat the campaign and you move into the post game and you start to expand upon your heroes um it really does enter that Destiny style that I um had a love-hate relationship with was basically here's your checklist every one or two of these checklists is going to be an actual mission but really it's an introduction to a new type of repeatable mission um to a certain extent like the the end game is all about slowly introducing you and getting your preferred hero to a level that they can actually do end game content so i actually kind of put myself in a corner by starting to play more hulk 
because I wanted to unlock the final Hulk mission in his iconic mission chain. So each hero has their own chain to kind of force you to get that hero to, I think, at least level 15, um, average power level around 50. So by the time you get that done, they start to introduce new um, new mission types. So one mission type is like a villain sector where you fight a bunch, you get to a boss, and it's a repeatable boss. They've said, hey, the bad guys figured out cloning. That's why you're fighting a bunch of abominations. And I'm like, sure, yeah, that's a really creative way. I mean, cloning, throw out cloning and it's in any other, you know, comic or any other universe. And it's like, okay, you just w- want to explain away the reason we're killing this guy over and over again. Um, like in, in WoW, like if they just came out and said like, yeah, we, this is a clone of the, the raid boss, right? You wouldn't buy it. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's an example where they use it, but they don't use it for every single encounter. But in these villain sectors, it's uh, whenever it's not a faceless enemy it, or a robot, they say, oh yeah, it's a clone of Abomination. It's a clone of um, Taskmaster. But therein lies the issue in that I only named two villains. So when you're going into these villain sectors, you know you're fighting a bunch of robots or a bunch of dudes in in hazmat suits to then fight Abomination again or Taskmaster again. And because it's a MMO style sort of you're increasing in power, the enemies are increasing in power, it's just you kind of bashing up against a bullet sponge as their hero or as their health slowly <laughs> whittles down. And again, I know I'm describing every MMO and MMO like experience. Yeah. So that's where when the combat comes in, in that if you've only got certain amount of heroes leveled up and you're only using that same hero over and over again. And if you only a have a, a certain number of abilities, right? Because you were saying by the time you finish the main campaign, you didn't have a whole bunch of abilities on all of your characters. So then I imagine you don't have your full character kit, so you're probably just tickling the boss and you don't have like it's not as exciting and engaging as I assume it will be when you unlock all your abilities. Right. So that, too, probably adds a little bit to the frustration when you uh, when you're playing like half a character. Yeah. And I mean, so I I just uh, was playing as Hulk before we started recording, and I'm really enjoying Hulk because at the start, you're just kind of like punching guys. And then you get and you right, you start off with the ability to pick little dudes up and use them to kind of hit people with so you can do the puny god moment. Um, but then <laughs> it expands as you get more abilities, like there's a whole like grab skill tree where you can expand upon that. So then you can start to grab two guys at once and then you can bash them around and then you can grab two guys at once, jump up in the air and slam them down in a big power shockwave move. Or you can grab two guys at once and then uh, smash them together and do like a thunderclap style uh, ability all while just tearing people apart. So again, as you play more and you unlock more of these powers and you f- they fit your play style, you get really, really engaged in the combat so as hulk i've been really enjoying it um but this game is a bunch of good and bad in the sense that there's it's plagued with bugs you know just in my session playing before we started matchmaking takes too long like ashley was joking you should have the switch out while you're matchmaking so that you can get a couple stars in super mario 3d all-stars and then when that's done hit stop on the switch and go back to your avengers game and you might say, like, like, it's just, it's one of those things where 
normally I wouldn't care and I'd play solo and play with the AI, but the the game actually hinders you and force and strongly encourages you not to play with the AI because if you go down twice, which is going to happen a lot, like if you die twice in an AI match, which is going to happen a lot because you're you're basically there's just shit flying everywhere and your character's constantly getting hit and you're going to die, but it has like the Gears of War style revive system where you have to you go down, you have 45 seconds for an ally to come over and 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 pick you back up. Um if you die twice, it resets the whole mission. And mm. some missions are quite long, there's a lot of stages, and from my experience it resets the whole thing. If you wait for at least one human controlled ally to come in, you can go down as many times as you want. And then that ally, one of the allies can come revive you and and in, in my experience I have not had to reset the mission if I I don't truly die unless the counter goes down in which yes the the mission sometimes the mission never even reset there like it just feels like the game's strongly encouraging you from that standpoint especially later game to have some human controlled characters on your team but you know I I played a whole mission that took a half hour I got to the very end boss and the game crashed which mm. is not fun you know, I had a, an effect on screen. So playing as Hulk, when you do a big smash, there's like a big sort of shock wave that goes out. And, and in the moment, really cool, but repeated constantly for the rest of a 20 minute mission gets in the way. You know, it, there's just a lot of bugs. And this is after the game had released um, the patch 1.07, but version 1.0 it's 1.3 it's super confusing and i wanted to make sure i had it <laughs> i think i have it but like that patch fixed a thousand over a thousand issues a thousand issues and this game that's, that's a lot it, that's a lot <laughs> i know and the game came out like at the start of september after being delayed from may and i get it in these times like it's very tough but this is the new norm with some of these AAA games like they come out yeah. in a very you know, hastily put together package and there's a lot of patching that needs to be done. And I mean, you're spending, we're spending more and more money on video games. I don't think that means we're going to get more well put together games. Like if you look at the recently announced God of War 2, I have the utmost faith that when I play that, it is going to be a complete $100 experience because that's what it's going to cost. But mm -hmm. with Avengers, it, I, I guess we should have we should have assumed it was going to come to like it's and it's still it's still in shambles like I don't I'm having fun I want to see where it goes I know I'm not going to get like too much farther I don't plan on maxing out my heroes there's a lot of issues with the game but I do have fun with uh with with the combat and sort of some of the progression like there's a lot of numbers going up there's a lot of you finished a bunch of missions there are like faction quest assignments you can do and those are constantly unlocking like more resources and more you know faction rewards and stuff so there's a lot of that like building up a bunch of meters a lot like you know wow and stuff but it's just it's so buggy you know and the matchmaking is so slow and i'm paying for it like i have playstation plus i i subscribed for this game and I can barely find a full a full crew. I'm lucky if I get one person to play with just so I can stop it from killing me. <laughs> you know, Aww. it's I'm having fun. But like, I mean, maybe by the time Spider-Man comes out, like the game will be fixed, maybe. <laughs> but I had a crash. <laughs> I haven't had a 
game on my console crash in ages like that's it takes something for like a console game to to come crashing to its knees like i wasn't even doing anything crazy it was just fighting a boss and it just yeah so it's 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 equally fun and equally frustrating, but I, I think like I'm going to be happy to kind of put this one down, give it another month. Like I don't even know if they're going to hit their October timeline for um, the first post-launch hero because they've said like this patch fixes a thousand user-reported issues, um, and we're going to have a, a roadmap coming out soon. But like, if we're still experiencing issues that they like, some people are saying, well, they fixed a thousand, but they probably they broke another hundred, right? Like there's still issues here. So I, if you haven't picked it up yet and you're still interested, I'd say wait until they iron out a few more and, and we start to see some some improvement. But the campaign worked really well. So like if you want just that 10 to 12 hour Marvel story, you can get that here without worrying about all the negative stuff I talked about. Like it's all the good stuff. It's front loaded with really good stuff. And then it kind of like just, it slowly peters out and, uh, which is unfortunate <laughs> really. Cause, um, that means maybe these post-launch heroes won't be as fun to play cause they won't, I just, I want, I want the post-launch stuff to be good, but, uh, if they're just going to treat it like more checklist type more missions stuff to grind. And, yeah. 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 Well, I guess we'll see, but uh, yeah, that just sounds like super frustrating, and I'm kind of glad I gave this one a pass, because I don't need another endless grind in my gaming life right now. <laughs> no, and that's immediately what I thought as as I was playing it, you know, every other night or, or whatever, I'm sitting here like, okay, this is like another one of those games that if you kept going after the campaign could easily turn into another games as a service that eats up a bunch of free time and but there's something here to be said like if you just want to do the story there's there's nothing of consequence after that campaign finishes because essentially it just keeps going it's like okay you you won the battle but there's still the war but the war is very much it's very it's kind of similar to wow in the sense when you when you finish the battle like you have to wait for the next patch for the next battle and in between those mm -hmm. two battles the war is still going on and the war is literally checklists and repeatable quests. Super boiled down, you know, experience, but that's essentially what it what it is, right? So we'll see what the new content brings. I'll 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 talk about it when it comes out in October, if if it comes out, and um, I'll report back and we'll see how it how it's going. Well, I look forward to hearing about it. Also, you played Super Mario 3D All-Stars, which I have purchased and downloaded, but have not actually tried. Have you had a chance to launch any of these ones over on your Switch? Yeah, I uh, jumped into all three just to kind of see what they were like, but I haven't had a lot of time. Um, my My early sort of impressions with this is that it is very much a bare bones sort of like, here are these games um so not too much in terms of revamping however no. like deep that goes <laughs> yeah no there's really not a lot here and i mean that that can both be a good thing and a bad thing in the sense that all three of these games are are fun in their own way and mario 64 and mario galaxy both represent two of the the highest points for 3d mario right in in what they were able to accomplish specifically with super mario 64 so like the fact that you have those original experiences made to run on current hardware with some bumps, like 
Super Mario 64 on a on a 4K TV running in four you know four by three, it looks great. I'm sure it does not look like that if I were to plug it in N64. So it's got that going for it. And <laughs> but where the core issue comes in is the controls with all three games because I think that's where a proper remake or even a a, a, a touch up would really have assisted with um bringing these games to 2020 like i mean mario yeah. 64 is, is a classic early camera game where we are so yeah used i was to gonna it. say yeah didn't i can't even imagine because i yeah i haven't had a chance to try these yet but even just like remapping the controls i mean like it used to the nintendo 64 controller was wild yeah oh, <laughs> like, it was like a trident right I, yeah, and I remember like you had the you had the one joystick, but then you had like the it was like the C buttons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even then, you couldn't really control the camera. It was basically like if you move it a little bit, then there's here's the button to get back to center. <laughs> I they, and this is the thing. They don't even have like a center button like similar to a lot of early 3D platformers like or, or 3D games. I think Ocarina of Time was the first to kind of introduce that like z targeting where you can move the camera back behind your head i you can so in mario 64 it's like you move the camera in in sort of uh 30 degree increments and that's the lakitu setting and then with mario you can go in behind the head so if you want to like center the camera behind your body you have to switch from the lakitu camera to the mario camera but then that's really close up which isn't very good for for actual platforming so for the most part you're not battling the camera, but you're you're battling yourself in wanting to control the camera. It's best to just leave it alone, like you did almost twenty right? <laughs> twenty four years ago. Um, and and it, and then you just you you get back in that mode and you're playing Super Mario sixty four in a way that uh, that that plugging in an N sixty four would not even come close to, uh, and. Similar to the other ones, like Mario, Super Mario Sunshine, um, can, like, that's the one that has the best camera, I find, because it seems to react very specifically to what it, what you would expect with a camera. But then it has, you can you can shoot the water from Flood, and that's where the controls are completely like, okay, guys, 2020, we figured out over-the-shoulder shooting, and it is not this. <laughs> uh, I think, like, you have to, so you can shoot while running, which is pretty cool. Uh, you can shoot water from your backpack while running, but then, in order to aim your the direction of, you can't directly control Flood. He only moves in vertical moments, and then Mario has to move. So if you like lock your stance, you're moving side to side, and then you're in, in at the same time controlling the vertical movements of of Flood's head. So it's like it's not a direct sort of gears of war connection where you're locking Mm. your stance and then aiming and that takes a while to program yourself um and then super mario 3d galaxy just has the issue of it being a wii game and um the cursor kind of will pop up like if you if you could turn off that cursor the star bit stuff i think that would turn that game into like a real sort of uh real good switch platformer and it looks really good too for Mm. for an up res wii game but yeah, you gotta. I really wish they would have addressed the controls a little better, but I mean, the games look great for what they are. Uh, That's so, good. Yeah. That's it's I'm looking. That yeah, I'm looking forward to to poking my head into it because there's there's basically all through. 
maybe not so much Galaxy, but the other two for sure. It's been a long, long time since I've played them and they were so good. Yeah. Or at least I remember them being so good at the time. Maybe, you know, this All-Stars version isn't exactly what I have in mind, but we'll see. I'll let you guys know what my what my thoughts are next week. But um, the thing that I've been playing, and it seems like quite a lot of the internet has been playing actually, is a title called Among Us. And Among Us is something that came out in 2018, but only just kind of rose to popularity. And I was telling Ryan before the show, I have no idea. And like, this is why like paying streamers to market your game actually works. <laughs> like, I have no idea if a large streamer just stumbled upon this game all by themselves or if it was something that they paid some of the top Twitch streamers to play. But one way or another, this game has like just made its way across like all of my Twitch feeds. It's like everyone that I watch now from like Dead by Daylight streamers to Hearthstone streamers to like the um, first person to like the PUBG streamers of the world and the Fortnite streamers, like everybody is playing their main game for like half their stream and then switching over to Among Us to play for the rest of the stream. And this thing is so addicting. So if you guys aren't aware or if you've ever played a game like uh, Werewolf or like Mafia, basically the idea is you play, it's a, so, it's a social game and you play with a, a large group of people. So um, I think you have to have at least four, but up to 10. So I've been playing quite a lot with my raid team because we're kind of in the lull between expansions. So um, my WoW raid team and I have been getting together on our normal raid nights and playing Among Us instead, and also on other nights too. It's like literally almost every day, there's a post in our raid channel and everyone's just like, Among Us? Among Us? Yes, yes, let's go! <laughs> so it's super, super fun and popular, but the whole idea is in your group of uh, four to 10 people, you are either on a spaceship or a planet and you kind of uh, run around and you have to do tasks. So you're part of the crew and the tasks that you have to do are like pretty simple, pretty quick. It's like you have to click on all the numbers in order or you have to like click and drag like the red wire to meet the other red wire and the blue wire to meet the blue wire sort of thing. Or uh, there's like a Simon Says one. There's a whole bunch of these like little puzzly tasks. They're very, very simple. But the point is not the difficulty level of the task. The point is that whenever a task comes up on your screen for you to do, it blocks out your view of everything around you. And one to three players on the space crew are imposters. They're bad guys. They are running around sabotaging things and killing crew members. And when a dead body is found, then you call a meeting. And then everybody starts going, well, where were you? And what were you doing? And where were you? And, you know, like pointing at everybody and pointing fingers and you have to try to defend yourself and you have two minutes as a team to discuss what you're going to do before um, you either vote somebody off of the spaceship or you go back in to do more tasks, which means that if you don't vote for anybody, then there's a, a like, obviously, a, a, like a 100% chance that you have basically given the imposters another round of free reign. So 
it's uh it's definitely a social game you have you know secret bad guys <laughs> running around the ship and uh you definitely learn some things about your friends yeah oh yeah so is there a lot of like in terms of being an imposter are you having to play that role and and try to deceive your your friends it's more about yes, your yeah. ability to to sort of deceive people then then there's actual systems in the game that help you deceive people so there are kind of systems built into the game because there's two ways to play you could either play with a group of your friends which is what i how i've been playing or you can play completely online so there's been other games like this like town of salem and um oh my gosh what's the other one it's the one I actually like. It's not telling lies. Throne of lies. Throne of lies. Um, but those games are a little bit more complicated and a little bit less uh, like graphically oriented. Like this, you get a little character who actually looks exactly like a fall guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you and you get to, you know, run them around the the spaceship and stuff. And which, I mean, literally could possibly be how this game was discovered is because this came out, like I said, in 2018, but Fall Guys was so big this year, it could literally have been streamers like just going through their steam and going, oh, those look like the Fall Guys guys. What's this? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyways, but this did come before Fall Guys. Uh, so, yeah, there have been other games very much like this. And so it's built to be played either in a private lobby or online. So if you play online, then it's all text chat, obviously. So we've been playing over voice chat. And uh, yeah, so within the game itself, it will give you, if you're on the imposter side, uh, first of all, you have access to the vents, which the uh, crewmates don't. So you have to be very careful about when you're jumping into a vent because there's a little bit of an animation. And if uh, like since the crewmates can't, if anyone sees you jumping in or out of a vent, then they're like, um... Clearly, you're the imposter because we don't have that functionality. Um, But then also it gives you a list of tasks that you can fake doing. So there's uh, different tasks in different rooms on the spaceship or on the planet. And so say uh, my fake thing says like reconnect um, three wires in the electrical room or something. Then me being an imposter, I can't actually interact with it. But I can, like, take my character, go into the electrical room and, like, stand in front of the panel and pretend that I'm, you know, doing the little mini game while I, like, wait for somebody else to come into the electrical room. Hmm. Then I can murder them. Okay, so there is a bit of a... (laughs) So I was looking at a couple screenshots and more fan art than anything, I think it looks like it's... (laughs) (laughs) You know, in the Steam community, sometimes it's like, is that a screenshot? Is that fan art? Is that well? Some of it's clearly like it's punched up, so it's very much, you know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's fan clearly art. fan art. <laughs> uh, but you know, is it like a? It's like a thing style type deal where you are not that person. You are a monster, and you can. And your your duty is to go around and and subtly kill people without being discovered. Right. That's the idea. Uh, I don't actually. Well, there are there are a couple of times like because uh, whenever you get killed mm-hmm. by an imposter you get this like little like animation thing of like how they kill you. So, I mean, sometimes they walk up behind you and shoot you. Sometimes they jump on you and stab you like 10 times. Sometimes they have a 
ridiculous pointy tongue that like their heads flip backwards open and their tongue comes out and like stabs you through the head. Like it's, mm. they're very interesting animations, but yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So, so right. yeah, I guess some of the, I guess they're, they're monsters. I guess they're alien imposters. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways, they're bad guys. <laughs> well, I think these are bad uh... guys trying to kill you. I think for the last couple of years, we've been trying to play a game similar to this. But I mean, if this one's really taken off, then I guess we have to. We, we, it's, it's already yeah, on the extra one... life list. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. We were talking about it pre-show. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I'll add it and I'll move to the top. You know, Yeah, the thing yeah. is, this is uh, one of the cheaper versions. I'm pretty sure Town of Salem is like only like 10 bucks or something like these games are not necessarily very expensive. But you do kind of need a, a larger team in order to play. And um, they're, I told, I was going to make another point and then I totally forgot uh, on the extra life list. Oh, it's very accessible. Okay. It's very accessible. The, uh, the little mini games that you play are really easy to pick up. You can look on your map and there's like little exclamation points where there are like things that you have to do to make sure that the ship or the habitat keeps functioning. And uh, so it's it's very easy to grasp as opposed to and there's also there's two rules. There are imposters and there are crewmates. You are one or the other one in something like Throne of Lies. There's like I think the lobby is up to 15 or 16 people. There's like eight or 10 different roles. Like some of you are knights. Some of you are the queen or the king or the assassin or the you know, like there's so many different roles in Throne of Lies that it can be really hard as a new player to understand what you're supposed to do and when. Whereas Among Us, like the rounds are really quick. The game is very straightforward and the the mini game tasks are fairly easy, even if you've never done it before. Like they're they're very obvious in, in the things you have to do and the stuff you have to click. So it's, um yeah, I think it's the most accessible of any of the games and really the fun of these games kind of comes in the in the whodunit and uh you know the social aspect of like accusing your friends of murder (laughs) oh that sounds like a delight yeah it's it's really fun and it's also it was it was fun to see in my raid team how many times we kind of like not necessarily like ganged up on like one person (laughs) but it's just it's like so the game assigns people to be imposters totally randomly and yet we'd be like but last game you were evil it's like that means literally nothing (laughs) or like hey you stabbed me in the back four rounds ago it's like again that means nothing (laughs) and yet like we just held on to these grudges like crazy and we're like if there was any doubt towards like the person that had killed you in the previous round or something like that then it was like you just latched on to that and we're like well, you killed me last round, so clearly it's you again. It's just like, no, that's that's not how the, the random picker works. It's like, it doesn't matter. Those are my feelings. <laughs> I, I I feel like I'll, I would struggle being being the imposter, but then maybe I wouldn't. I'm trying to remember, played a board game where you had to kind of do this thing. And it's a little bit easier without because we play on voice only. Yeah, it's a little bit easier when they can't see your face because I am a terrible liar. <laughs> yeah, my, so, my poker face is not existing. Yeah, like I, I don't have it, but I can just like if I want to like laugh or something, I can just like mute my mic. Like, you know, there's uh, yeah, there's there's ways around it when you're when you're on voice only. Right. So, yeah. 
Oh, sounds I've, great. We've even have people that have like claimed to be AFK and just like watch the timer. And when there's like 10 seconds left, they've come back and they're like, oh my God, sorry, I was AFK. What were we talking about? And they just like bleed the timer out. And then we have, then we go back in without voting anybody off. And it's just like, oh, that is next level. Ooh. That is so evil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when we play, it's going to be like, Ashley, bring Isabel down and let's, let's get her to cry. So I have to step away. Yeah, so you have to step away, yeah, and you can't defend on. yourself because no. baby things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a baby. Are you? Are you gonna? You, you can't. You can't challenge the that. baby. Can't be the killer. <laughs> no, no. But uh, yeah, no. It sounds like a lot of fun and one that uh, a game that you kind of. I feel like you have to play this one to like truly understand it. I mean, I'm I'm grasping it, but I think when I actually get in there and play it, it'll be a whole different thing because it it sounds very much like what you're experiencing and what where the fun is is the social aspect where you're yes it's you're trying social, to convince yeah 100 your, uh, your friends that you're not a monster i mean you must discover exactly. like so many <laughs> things about your raid team that might be a good interview selection process like all right how uh how far do you go <laughs> to win like i guess you can't like uh you can't cheese a boss by going afk but uh you know <laughs> Well, but it's a creative use of game mechanics, right? Like True. there's a timer and uh yeah, if you can uh if you can make it work, if you can think of an excuse to be away, then yeah. All right. Well, we got a couple months going to figure out yep. some tactics. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, uh if you if you ever feel like you want to play, I mean, you can like I said, you can queue like basically like solo queue. You can go play a game online, but the more what where I've found the fun has definitely been you know, the not only playing with my raid team, but then also like the the threads of the experience that go from, you know, round to round and uh, the the friendships that we form and then break <laughs> like, oh, my God. OK, so just for an example. Through the first couple of rounds, there's uh, one other girl on my raid team. Her name is Laura, and she is such a sweetheart and I love her. And so we were like, oh, my God, OK, if we just stick together, then everything will be fine. You know, no one can kill us because there will be a witness. Let's just run around the whole ship and we'll just do our tasks together. And that's what we're going to do. And then in like the third round, she was an imposter. So we did the same thing. And as soon as everyone left the room, she killed me. And I was like, oh, the betrayal. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it just like, it stung so bad. <laughs> I don't know if so, I could forgive yeah. them in the real world. Like, I right. feel like, I feel like this is going to be one of those moments where I'm going to want to play it. So Pat, like guys, just so you know, like, um, I'm not the imposter, but I might be. So just uh, don't hate me after this. <laughs> so just vote me off, and it'll That's be the, the quickest caveat. round. What uh, happens in Among Us stays in Among Us, because yeah. otherwise we would hate all our friends now. <laughs> it's like Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this makes sense. Makes sense. All Absolutely. Right. Speaking of Vegas, if you'd like to gamble with your money, <laughs> well, no, we are a very safe bet. Actually, we are. I, I feel like we've been putting out pretty solid content for like over 400 episodes now. So, uh, yeah, you guys, if you would like to support the show, we promise it's not a gamble. <laughs> you good, can go to safe. Patreon. Yeah, I know. Right. You can go to patreon.com slash the gamers in to help support us. We are currently looking for our October patrons. So if you would like to be thanked on the show for the entire month of October, 
Again, that is patreon.com slash the gamers in. In terms of Patreon, I mean, speaking of Among Us, like I think we're like five bucks away from bringing back game night. So nice. That's a good time for an October patron to jump in. Just just saying. Absolutely. Uh, we also have Extra Life 2020. So if you guys go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2020, then you can see all of our team members and donate to this fabulous cause. We are actually going to be able to play on game day, which is crazy. We're still going to do the same thing we did last year where we're going to split our streams up basically from the month of November and December. We're going to do a whole bunch of things like eight and 12 hour streams and uh, make lots and lots and lots and lots of content for you guys uh, to support this amazing cause. So if you're not familiar with Extra Life, it is for the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. We do it every year. I feel like this is going to be my ninth year my eighth or ninth year and i think ryan you're going on 10 or 11 years at this point yeah so this is my 11th year which i believe makes uh this year ninth no oh uh, yeah i think i did it for a couple years before gamers in yeah uh, i can't remember if i did it in 2011 or not but i definitely did it in 2012 so yes, I, think I think this is my eighth yeah my eighth year yeah it's a it's it's a fun event and we end up raising a good chunk of money for Children's Miracle Network hospitals around the world. I think that last year we raised over $3600. This year we're we're already at $1000 in terms of our team raising. Oh my god. So we <laughs> good are Good job guys because I don't even think I've been on it enough to make my fundraising page yet. So you guys are amazing. And I will get off my butt. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're all we're all incredibly uh we got a lot of stuff on our plate. So obviously this year it's it's a little more um relaxed from a from a I don't know, what would you call it? Like a an administration side. However, we are probably we are definitely gonna be putting a bunch of effort into do, to providing a bunch of streams so that uh, people donate and we can raise some funds for these children's hospitals that are definitely needing this funds uh during the during the pandemic so absolutely it's a, it's a great cause uh, and that brings us to the news this week and you guys there's there's so so much so um we're going to talk about it really quickly but last week we found out that uh we are basically going to be just paying more for games so sony has confirmed that there will be playstation 5 games costing $70 American or $100 Canadian, which is, that's big. That's, that's a lot of dollars. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, 70, 70, no, it's 90 Canadian. But I mean, once you add tax, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely. Oh, it's up. 90. I thought it was 99, 99 Canadian. So. Gosh, I hope not. I hope I'm, <laughs> I think it. <laughs> I hope that's a typo, but I mean, I, yeah. I or maybe in, in my head, it, it was just. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, you know what? That's totally my fault. I apologize. That is my bad. I put ninety nine ninety nine. <laughs> I do not. I wanna... totally thought. Okay, I definitely thought that I had read that somewhere, but maybe the place that I read it was our notes. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely is the notes because I put it in there. So that's my bad, folks. But yeah, like uh, you know, eighty nine ninety nine Canadian, sixty nine. Now I'm now I'm like questioning my own my own thought process <laughs> so here. So seventy seventy and ninety. Okay, yeah, because yeah. right now it is a ten dollar increase, and we I was concerned. There was some concern in Discord because this this news was out last week, and we with everything going on, we completely forgot it. But then at the end of the show, it was like probably best to save this for this week so we can actually have a conversation as opposed to yeah and games are ten dollars more okay have a great week because i think this warrants a conversation because really like games getting more expensive 
it, on one hand is great for devs because game, budgets have ballooned and games have not gotten more expensive um, at least in the in in the states for years it's been sixty dollars for a long time uh but on yeah, the other and side i mean like, yeah. we've we've had that conversation before as mm. well although mostly framed around the idea of um microtransactions and loot boxes is you know because the cost of games has not gone up that means that there's going to be you know more and more developers trying to recoup the costs of their development by putting these you know whether it's cosmetics and microtransactions or loot box microtransactions but one way or another they're going to try to get as much money out of you as they can with minimum dev time because they've already spent that dev time making the game in the first place right and then just not charging enough for it now uh, i feel like again in in the framing of that conversation around microtransactions like my trade-off would be very similar to mobile games like let me just pay you 10, 15, 20 bucks for a mobile game and then just let me play the whole game. Mm. Um, and I feel very similar here. I don't mind paying an extra 10 or even $20 for a game as long as that means it doesn't have, you know, all this microtransaction stuff. And I can deal with microtransactions if it's cosmetic only. But if you start charging me or if there's like XP boosts available and like all that actual game mechanic stuff, I, I will not be buying your game if you're charging me extra and also putting microtransactions in like that. And I think that's the that's the crux of the whole conversation is is you vote with your dollars and you look at the games that are actually going to be launching with the $10 increase uh, at launch for the PlayStation 5. It, you have the Demon Souls remake, which is going to carry the $70 US price tag. And that, I would imagine, is a game that will be content complete. No microtransactions. It is a remake of a game that did not have microtransactions. But it, they're not applying it across the board to all Sony games. So the Miles Morales game, which is a Lost Legacy, shorter, tighter experience, so it is going to ship, it's going to cost you $50 at launch. However, if you buy the Ultimate Edition, you do get a remastered version of the original Spider-Man game um, from the PS4, and that is a $70 experience. So it's an interesting Wait, approach. Wait, re, a remastered edition already? Didn't that just come out? Yeah, it came out in 2018. So yeah, two day, two years later, it's, I mean, it. they say it's going to be more, uh, like it's going to be more of a remaster than a, than just a, hey, it runs on PS5. Like they're redoing character models and adding ray oh. tracing and stuff. So it, it sounds like it's a pretty, it's an incredible value. I mean, that Man, game is... Everyone's talking, everyone is talking about this ray tracing and I, I don't know, maybe I just haven't seen enough side-by-side -side comparisons, but I'm like, is it really that big of a deal? Because everyone's talking about it like it's the second coming or something. They're just like, do you know we have ray tracing? Oh my God, we need to redo all our games with ray tracing. Ray tracing! People say it's a, <laughs> it's, it's a big deal. I think it's the is way... Is it actually a game changer? <laughs> I, I think it's the way they render light and the way the light sort of bounces off objects. And does, I, again, I don't know for sure. I've not experienced it myself. I don't that's, have a... That's my understanding. Yeah. I guess I just don't understand. Well, I mean, I guess like lighting effects particle effects and water effects kind of all combine into making something look realistic or not. So I can understand that, you know, in, um, increasing the capacity of one of those features would definitely make a better looking game. Now, whether you're actually going for realism or if you're going for cartoony or whatever, just being able to hit surfaces with light 
in the way that the creator intended. I understand how that would make your game look better. I just, I don't know. Everyone is talking about it. Like it's just the greatest thing to happen to video games in like forever. And it's a major selling point of this generation. And not only this generation of consoles, but like this generation of like video cards and everything else. We haven't even talked about like all the NVIDIA stuff. Like we don't normally go down the super hardcore PC hardware. There are many, many shows that know way more than we do that talk about all that kind of stuff. But it's just like everyone's like, oh, we can ray trace now. I'm like, okay, I hadn't even heard of this word eight months ago. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, I've never, I've not experienced it, but I, I know people have, have. I think I'm right below the baseline of having a, an, a ray tracing card, unless it's not card specific, in which this is the reason we uh, don't talk about PC hardware. But <laughs> exactly. for, for the most part, outside of does ga- game run, does look good, great. Um, yeah. You know, we're not a. <laughs> Wow, that is our level of technical expertise. <laughs> yeah, boiled down to caveman speak, but yeah, <laughs> I, I think from from the standpoint of of next gen games, uh, someone had to do it. I mean, uh, like when we originally had the conversation, it was NBA Two K Twenty One, which was the core issue was that is a game that is one of the worst offenders for for microtransactions, and to yeah. see that one cross the line first, that's that's just it's not it's not what we want to see but sony which is making some of the best single player games uh outside of nintendo that are triple a really great looking experience like looking at god of war spider-man i'm totally fine spending another ten dollars on those games because i know what i'm getting from those top tier playstation studios but i think it is there are going to be games like we see at launch for the PS5. There are going to be games that have to look at that and say, can we compete at a higher price tag or do we want to stay with the tried and true $60? Cause it, it, it is an option, right? And I think some developers are going to need to look at it uh, and say like, okay, we can't compete. We can't sell enough copies at 70. This isn't across the board move. It might be down the road, but right now it is very much a, um, a, a pick and choose like whether lucid games destruction all-stars is going to sell gangbusters at 70 dollars. who knows um but uh i i guess we'll see like i think more people are going to look at that price tag of of 70 dollars us and and decide whether they need it at launch because games do go on sale quite quickly these days so yeah they really do and that's kind of the the final piece of the equation right is like is this just going to tank sales off like right off the bat? Are people going to take the opportunity to, you know, wait a month or two and get the previous purchase price basically? Cause it, I feel like things, AAA titles seem to go on sale by 15 to $20 within the first six weeks. Like you usually don't have to wait too, too long. And for me, if I haven't picked a AAA title up on launch, it means I'm not really all that interested in it. So I'll wait even longer and I'll wait to get it for the, you know, 50 to 70% off that it will eventually go down to, which usually is like between six months and a year later, mm-hmm. you can find these things for, you know, that they were 60, 70, 80 bucks. And now you can get them for, you know, 20 to 30, which is much more in my price range when my interest level isn't quite there like i i very much live in this either i get it day one or i get it a year later (laughs) like there's not a whole lot of in between so 
yeah, I, I wonder if that will, you know, take gamers like me. And unless it's something they're really super invested in, like Horizon, in my case, I'm going to buy that day one no matter what. But there might be a whole bunch of other games that I was kind of on the fence about that now I'm just like, nah, I'll wait until it goes on sale six months a year down the line. Yeah, no, I I, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. And I mean, I'm even at a point where I I look at it like, again, I think for the next gen, if a game I'm, I'm going to know if I'm going to want to buy a game for ninety dollars before I pull that, uh, you know, pull that purchase out and do it right. It's got to be. It's got to be an experience worth worth it. And I mean, a lot of people are like, well, it's just $10. It's like, well, it is. But even at $80 games were, it's like that Mario All-Stars game was 92 bucks after tax. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of money to drop. For... That was so much. Like, I almost didn't do it. But then I was like, you know what? I know I love these games. I love playing things on the Switch. Like, I know I'll get to these titles. They'll be really fun. Like, things I can play when I'm up at the cottage or something or in the car. Like, there's a definite use case for it. But, man, it was hard to push that button. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot. And, and like you, I, I adore those games. I know I'm going to play them. And they are they are immense as well. So there's tons of content. But uh, it it is... It's a it's a dollar decision. And I mean, there's so much competition. This is like when we started this show, it was like there was one big game a month. You you bought it, you played it. And I mean, it seems weird, but that was 10 years ago. Like there was one game. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's one game and you bought it and you played it. But now you, there's so much choice. And, and even in looking at November, if you don't want to spend $80 on Assassin's Creed Valhalla, then yeah, you can go buy the new Spider-Man game or you can go buy the new Watch Dogs Legion game. There's lots of, or the new There's Destiny. There's so much expansion. choice now. Yeah. Choice and competition. Crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Depending on which side of the transaction you're on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think yeah. people are going to have to be careful uh, when pricing their games at that new tier. And it's it's going to have to be those experiences that demand a higher price tag the the hundred million plus dollar budget games you know like the god of wars and and the spider-mans um i don't know if that sounds i don't know uh is elitist the right word like only the only the top tier games should be able to charge the additional money but i i don't know well i mean i i think they're gonna charge whatever they think they can get away with right so those those big budget games i think can get away with it and smaller budget games are going to try to get away with it right like if they think that they can get that extra price tag on their game then they're absolutely going to do it because that's just going to increase their profit margins right so it comes down to not necessarily um like what games are actually worth it comes down to which price point do companies think they can get consumers to pay. So yeah, I I don't think that that has anything to do with the budget of the game necessarily as much as it does have to do with like the marketing and the, you know, functionality of the game. Is this the kind of thing that they're going to way over promise on and then people are going to return after two hours of playing, realizing it's not what the company originally said it was going to be. You know, like it's going to be those kind of uh, those kind of decisions. So I don't think it has to do with the budget necessarily, 
But uh, yeah, although, you know, ones with big budgets are also going to have great marketing teams. So, (laughs) but yeah, we'll have to see. And uh, and speaking of choice and prices and everything else, um, we've also found out now that PlayStation 5's digital edition is going to have a much lower stock than the standard PlayStation 5. So the standard PlayStation 5 is the one with the disk drive. So that one is the higher price point of the two. And yeah, there's going to be lots, lots more of those than the much sleeker digital only edition. So yeah, if you were trying to pre-order a PlayStation 5, you might end up with the uh, with the higher price point. Yeah. Which is, I mean, like the, the, the digital edition just looks so much better. I didn't even want it for the lower price. I literally <laughs> wanted it just because it looks sleeker. It, it like, does look sleeker. <laughs> it looks it just looks better. It looks like they designed the digital only one first and then like literally just put a PlayStation 5 in one hand and a Blu-ray player in the other hand and just like clap them together. <laughs> We're like, this looks like this now. Deal with it. <laughs> hey, they got to get the drive in there somehow. I I think that uh, when, when you look at this story, um, this could be seen as a couple of things. Like it's very early on, um, but it but it does sound like a lot of retails are reporting to, this is a Eurogamer uh, story. They're reporting that the ratio between the disc and digital edition is like 80-20. So, and some are even saying as even a little lower of like a uh, two thirds, one third split. So that being said, like from a retail perspective, it makes sense. Like maybe not like Joe Blow behind the counter selling the device, but from a CEO, you know, uh, pipeline management side, like, yeah, they want to sell more. They want to sell the disc versions more than the digital versions because they lose out on money when everyone's going to Sony and Sony can't cut those those folks out completely. They still need that that pipeline, especially when they're competing with Microsoft, right? And I, I think eventually you'll be able to get the one you want, which is, you know, an obvious statement, how long you'll have to (laughs) wait to get the digital edition is the better question. Um, But early, like, I think it's inevitable, like a lot, like, if you look at the two cheapest next gen systems, the the digital edition of the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series S, which are both you know, uh, digital versions of the console. I'm not going to say the other thing. Um, <laughs> that is, that has to worry a lot of these um, brick and mortar stores, right? Maybe not like the Walmarts of the world, but definitely the EB games of the world that solely rely on video games for their, for their income. So I, I hope that choice, choice is important. I hope that it, if you go into a Walmart or an EB, you'll be able to pick up whatever one you want because you want the cheaper one or you want a digital only one um but as of right now it looks like sony is is making it so the the ratio is a bit more in favor of the of the disc version just probably basically because they don't want to upset people right okay i was gonna say because if i'm sony wouldn't i want to push the the one without the disc the discless version yes uh, <laughs> uh how, how brave <laughs> <Because> of you <laughs> I, I would i would very much like as sony to be pushing people into my marketplace, right? So, yeah. I mean, I I feel like I I don't know if I 100% buy that in that they are, you know, providing stock based on not wanting to upset the brick and mortar stores. 
I am kind of wondering if this is because I mean, this whole year, I feel like leading up to the launch of the PlayStation 5, we've been covering leaks and stories and articles all about issues that PlayStation has had with their just design into production of everything. And I mean, like there were COVID issues, there were just like basic overheating and design flaws. Like the PlayStation 5, to me at least, seems like it's been plagued for the last year or two with just issues on the production side. So I'm I'm wondering if they just like it took them that long to basically get their shit together on the digital edition that they haven't been able to produce as many as uh, they maybe originally thought or had originally hoped. Like the the standard edition, the the one with the disk drive, that one has like the most, um, I guess, in common with current gens. Like my Xbox and my PlayStation both have a slot for a disc in the front of it. Like, they're used to designing those things, but I wonder, like, if a fully digital only was the one that was giving them problems. Uh, like, I, I really don't know. Um, and yeah, so that's that's where my head went, at least when I saw this is is much more down the. Maybe this is just the result of everything we've been covering over the last year or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's likely uh, there are a lot of there are a lot of things in play and and really looking even at pre-orders there's a lot of head scratching you know why can we never (laughs) figure this out um and you can chalk it up to the pandemic you can chalk it up to the fact that they they always have limited pre-orders but then always have systems available at launch not a lot of them obviously they're they're not going to be able to have enough of these to meet demand on day one like that's that hasn't been popular or that hasn't been possible in a long time for very popular uh hardware i mean look at the nintendo side of things they can never produce enough at launch let alone it was really hard yeah it was really hard to find a switch i ended up going to toys r us which i haven't gone to a toys r us in forever to the point that i didn't even realize toys r us had a video game section Mm. i thought it was like all teddy bears and lego like (laughs) i had no idea that toys r us had evolved to include video games but that's like my go-to place now. We still have Toys R Us in Canada, by the way, guys. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Toys R Us is a big deal for video games. I think that's where I got my Wii. Um, well, way yeah, because you're the, the one that you tipped me off that I should be if I can't find a Switch because I was looking everywhere, like all the Best Buys of of the world and the WalMarts and stuff, and couldn't find it. And you were like, "You should really try Toys R Us. They have them sometimes." And I was like, "Okay." And sure enough, I went in, and they still had. I think they had two. I was like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> like, I legit almost bought both of them because I was yeah. like, either I can give this one to Matt or I can resell it. Either way, I think I'm coming out ahead. But then it was that was a big purchase. Anyways, total tangent. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> Toys R Us might have some on launch because they did with the Switch. And those that was another really hard to get, get a hold of system. But I'm not so worried about whether or not I'm going to be able to get a PlayStation on uh, day one. And that, I mean... Horizon Zero Dawn aside, we had an announcement that came totally out of left field, at least for me. Like, this is not something that was on my radar at all, but definitely pushes me way further over into the Xbox ecosystem because Microsoft has now bought Bethesda. Yeah. What the fuck? I mean, (laughs) speaking of big purchases, right? Yeah, like this is like the biggest purchase of all apparently worth what was it twice as much as the star wars franchise like 
seven billion dollars or something yeah like oh my god <laughs> it's it's it, this is crazy news i mean this news comes um a day well this came this news came out a day before xbox pre-orders which is like timing wise that's a huge yeah. deal because you that still have so smart <laughs> it's it's a smart move but this is the biggest probably the biggest acquisition in video games we've had in a very long time let alone from microsoft itself microsoft has really made a point in announcing new purchases yearly i mean each time they come out on e3 they announce a new acquisition and depending on how you look at this i think there's been a a turnaround on acquisition announcements and i know there's always going to be some people upset by these acquisitions but nowadays i think when microsoft buys a company or sony buys a company because they've been doing it too yeah it's it's good news you know it's it's a publisher showing um unless it's ea buying a studio that's a completely different story <laughs> they have not well, shown honestly i i feel like that's where because my initial reaction to this was like but elder scrolls why no don't touch it they were doing so good <laughs> and i just i that's where all of my i think like reservations come from is just how much ea has screwed up some of my favorite franchises and i just don't want big companies meddling in developers that are doing a good job (laughs) like that was my big thing is like so and and we should also mention so it's not just bethesda it's actually zenimax media which is the parent company Mm -hmm. um and so that includes not only elder scrolls but fallout wolfenstein doom dishonored prey quake starfield and a whole bunch of other stuff so it's all of those um like smaller developers that are underneath that umbrella that Mm -hmm. are encompassed within this deal like there's a lot of really awesome franchises that are created by zenimax media in one way or another well i mean this is this is a huge acquisition when you think about it like elder scrolls is the first like bethesda is the first one that comes to mind but then when you really realize a lot of these other studios some you can consider satellite studios like tango gameworks which uh did the evil within but we're also talking about id like yeah, it is is now owned by Microsoft. There was even a tweet by, I think, uh, Carmack, who was originally, you know, the founder of, of it or, or a co-founder. And he was saying like, hey, now that, you know, uh, ZeniMax is owned by Microsoft, maybe I come I can come back and work on some of the games I loved because they're not no longer owned by the people who hate me or something. It was a really <laughs> interesting tweet. And, and I think that's where it comes down to like these acquisitions used to probably be met with you know, questions and concern. But the way Microsoft has, has approached these acquisitions is they've, they've really said like, yeah, you're under, you're in the Microsoft family, um, but you keep doing you and we'll, we'll support you. Like we're going to add, we're going to look at a game by game basis and make sure that game, does it belong on the PlayStation or switch platforms? Or is it better equipped to stay on a, on a single SKU, which is the Xbox and PC? Because you look at Minecraft, they purchased Minecraft. Everyone was up in arms, but Microsoft was like, no, like we're going to keep developing Minecraft for the consoles for, uh, I think they even upkeep the Java version. So like they've really done a lot to prove that when they acquire a company, they're not stripping it for it's parts. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. They're not EAing they- it is what I'm yeah. trying to say. <laughs> Uh, And like the other piece of this, like the biggest conversation that I saw around this, although I was really worried about what might happen to my precious Elder Scrolls, um, so many more people were having the conversation around exclusivity and what does this mean? 
especially because there there have been promises that have come out of Bethesda in the past year or so saying, you know, this will be a PlayStation 5 exclusive or what have you. And so they're like, well, but if you just got bought by Microsoft, what does that mean for Sony exclusives? Are you still going to honor that? And so apparently um, Phil Spencer has said that Xbox plans to honor the exclusivity commitment with Deathloop and Ghostwire Tokyo. But beyond that, they're going to evaluate on a case by case basis. So it sounds like they're not slamming the door shut, but they're definitely easing it closed while keeping one eye through the crack. And then I, I feel like it's just going to kind of get shut, which I, I hope it doesn't. And I think it would be a bad move on Microsoft's part if they did, because I feel like we're just kind of like moving away from, I, I mean, exclusivity buys or pushes people to buy consoles, right? But Xbox has shown us in this most recent generation that they're less and less worried about moving their actual hardware because they control or can control or at least access the PC marketplace, right? So everything that they're doing in terms, and I think I saw something right before we recorded the show too, that um, Game Pass revenue is up by like 50% or something. Like Their subscriber numbers went subscriber from... Subscriber numbers, that's it, yeah, yeah. 10 million to 15 million in six months, which is... Yeah, uh, that's so many people. That's insane. That's a lot of folks. And I mean... They're making huge, huge inroads into the... And I think a lot of that has to do with the idea that you don't have to buy an Xbox, that you can just have Game Pass and play on your PC and everything that comes with that. So uh, including a lot of the day and date X or day and date titles that Xbox has on Game Pass which, you know, you might actually just have to outright purchase if you're on a different platform. So I feel like going down the exclusivity route is not actually in Microsoft's best interest because what they should probably be doing is just making everything available. If they're not using software to push hardware, then make it available on all platforms and just reap the benefits. Like all they're doing by... Again, if we take the hardware piece out of the equation, which it seems like they're doing, then what the, what they would be doing by telling Sony, like, okay, you can't have this game on the PlayStation 5, they're just shutting down that store for really no good reason. Whereas if they keep it open and let people buy it over on PlayStation, then they're just making money off the software, which is the big money maker anyways. We talked last week when we were talking about prices of PlayStation 5 and the Series X, how like find the margins are on those consoles on that hardware and the reason that they want you to buy that hardware is so you can get accessories and so you can buy games so the only thing that they would potentially be losing out if they're allowing games to be sold on the playstation is they're maybe losing out on the sale of an xbox console or not console um xbox controller but like that's a big maybe <laughs> like i feel like they would probably rather sell multiple Bethesda and id and whatever multiple Zenimax software products on the PlayStation store than like a one-time accessory purchase maybe for your PC you know like I I feel like shutting uh, shutting Sony out would be just leaving money on the table and I don't think any company is going to do that yeah Microsoft's shown 
an ability to release games after an acquisition on all platforms, looking at Wasteland 3 as the most recent example, um, a game that very much benefits from having as many platforms as possible because it's very niche. It's a uh, old school Fallout style uh, turn-based tactics game. Um, so the more places you can play it, the more places you can get it in front of people's eyes, the better. But the core difference being launching at $60 US on PlayStation 5, Steam, that sort of thing, available on Game Pass day one as part of your, as part of your subscription on Xbox One and uh, Xbox uh, app in the PC or on yeah. the PC. So there's a, there's a core difference there. I think where they'll do it, they say they'll do it on a case-by-case basis. There's a couple of questions that come to mind is like, okay, uh, Doom, uh, that engine already runs on is probably already compatible with the PlayStation 5, id Tech 5 or 6 or whatever they're on. So scrapping a PlayStation 5 version, you're right, doesn't make a lot of sense, especially if they've already got the engine running. But then looking at Elder Scrolls and the history of that franchise being quite buggy to a comedic effect, it might benefit them to focus on a single SKU. But then... The hardware is very similar, right? It's all PC architecture. There's no more fancy dancy stuff. Like even the hard drive stuff is starting to, it's already been on PC, like taking yeah. advantage of solid state drives. But there's a lot of questions here. And, and it might even come down to the fact that Sony want a Microsoft product on their platform. I mean, there have been stories of Microsoft saying like, hey, we want we want our games on everything. And we, you know, Ori in the Blind Forest and and the Ori games in general have been doing really well on Nintendo platforms. And they launch with, uh, you know, they have the Microsoft Game Studios flourish. They're not on PlayStation. Yeah, the logo on them. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I think there's a couple of questions. I think existing games already with publishing deals on those platforms are going to happen. But then there's the other flip side where... Uh, ninja theory yeah we're talking we're talking so much about whether microsoft will want to sell mm-hmm. over there we're not talking necessarily about like you're totally right ryan the the flip side of that is will sony allow them into their store in the first place <laughs> yeah and i mean it's so these these games have very much these franchises have always been they run on the platforms that can run them. Like they're not on, they're not normally on Nintendo platforms because the hardware is different, but yeah, PlayStation five, Xbox series X before this acquisition, there's no question that a doom three or whatever was going to launch on both platforms. So yeah, I, I think, I don't think anyone should be worried. Uh, but it's like, if you're not a PC gamer and you like elder scrolls and you like Fallout, and you want the new Starfield game, the new IP they're working on. I could see some question for, there's some concern there of like, if I invest in the PlayStation platform, am I going to be able to play these? Because we don't have that answer. We don't know the answer to that. So that has to be, I'm sure there were people, there's got to be at least one person who, who flipped over to the Xbox platform, knowing that there, there, there's a question they might not be able to play their favorite Bethesda or Zenimax game, right? But in terms of existing products, I don't see like they've they've very much said like Elder Scrolls Online is fine. It's not going to stop working on platforms that are not yeah. Microsoft owned. <laughs> so there's no I don't think there's any boogeyman here for current games. What you might find is maybe there is a possibility 
Elder Scrolls Six or Fallout Five could be Microsoft exclusive. You know, why yeah. spend seven point five seven point five billion and not change a few things? That's a lot of money to for status quo, right? Yep. So we'll see. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we will see. And I think the the final piece that kind of jumped out to me with this story as well is is around the Game Pass and how well that's been doing. And it seems very much like companies that are large enough to offer services like Game Pass, like these subscriptions with free games and stuff. I mean, Microsoft obviously is not the only one, but this is starting to feel like they're scooping up as much as they can to offer their subscription service. Like it feels like early days of like Netflix, right? Like, and now we've kind of seen everybody come together and, um, and then kind of like split apart again over on the like TV and movie side. It's like at first there was like Netflix and that was pretty much it. And then, you know, like Disney pulled their stuff and made Disney plus. And then, you know, you've got crave over here and you've got Amazon prime and everybody's Apple, Apple TV plus or whatever. And everyone's kind of like splitting their content off now into all of these different streaming services. And I wonder if this is like the way Netflix was five years ago is the way gaming is trying to go. Like, so Microsoft is grabbing as much as it possibly can so that it can say, hey, the one game streaming service is Game Pass. And then, you know, maybe five years from now, we'll see people start to splinter off of the Game Pass and make their own. Like, maybe eventually there'll be a Zenimax Pass and, you know, like uh, like an EA Pass and an, and an Ubisoft Pass and, and all the rest of them. Like, well, yeah, they- who knows? There are, right? There are already... Well, there, yeah, there are, but they're... Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not, not quite, quite the same. Yeah. It's it's one of those things where down the road, I think it's very likely that you'll see a ZeniMax product be exclusive to the micro, Microsoft platforms. Like, again, it's a lot of money to spend and then not pull that switch. Uh, the fact that they aren't spelling it out tells me that they're still working on that stuff. And Bethesda has been working on a lot of the games we mentioned, Elder Scrolls 6, Starfield, for a long time so far. So to completely flip that switch now is is a, is probably a deeper conversation than we got bought. Let's figure this out. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I'm, I'm excited. I mean, Sony... Sony has come. I'm glad that you are so excited and so positive because I saw this and I was like, no, they're going to EA all over it, even though they're not EA, but just uh, Max's feels right now. I, uh, I think <laughs> I think it's really just it's because Microsoft's has been good. Like you look at the Obsidian purchase and they've they've uh, I mean, man, they've allowed them. They've allowed Obsidian. They've funded an Elder Scrolls Obsidian game, except it's not Elder Scrolls. It's based on like the Path of Pillars or whatever that game Elder pillars i don't know what it's called i, I forget <laughs> but it looks like elder scrolls it looks like a lot of fun um but i mean the core thing here is like when you look at game pass sony has come right out and said we don't see game pass as a as a as a sustainable business so whether that means sony throwing shade at microsoft or literally sony cannot do a game pass like service microsoft has money they are funded by the largest most popular paid for operating system out there so they got deep pockets and this 
this is the best way to prove it. Purchasing not not like a smaller studio like Obsidian or or Double Fine, but purchasing an entire publishing wing with up to like eight developers under its yeah. under its control. Like that is crazy. And this comes after the That's a big D move right there. It's huge. <laughs> Something Sony would be unable to do. They do not have yeah. seven and a half billion in cash to throw around. And I know when we get into conversations of like companies buying other companies, it it can sometimes feel a, a little gross. But um, I have faith that Microsoft will will do right by these uh, companies. And I mean, you can get these games on PC if they don't come to PlayStation Five. You can you can build a PC or or buy a <laughs> rip know. all PlayStation players and who own max <laughs> yeah it, it could be i can in people in those positions i will i will acknowledge the fact that it, this is this was probably a scary announcement especially if you're looking forward to elder scrolls 6 but um that i'll give it time i would yeah. i would say just just give it time and and we'll see where it goes and and we'll keep covering it as as news comes out but like we did say um they are honoring a couple of exclusives right now at least so it sounds like Microsoft is open to having the conversation with Sony anyways, and uh, we'll, we will let you guys know when we hear anything else about the future of Bethesda games over on Sony. But that's going to do it for us this week. If you guys want to join in the conversation, come into our Discord and say hi. It is at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com or follow us over on Twitter. You can find Jocelyn at Joss Plays, Ryan is at R. Murphy, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. Thanks for staying with Gamers In. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Yeah.